So has anybody here started trying to make uh, vacation plans yet? Jason, I know, he sent me this, this whole map thing of where they're going to go. Very organized. That's not me. Uh, Jason's making plans. I see a few other hands of yours. Well, we have started trying to come up with plans for a vacation. Um, I want to go to see the ark. The kids want to do all the fun stuff. And Leslie says, you know what? We better go to the coast, which is one of my all-time favorite places. I, it's kind of our prerequisite for, for leaving our house. Okay, so we may end up going there. But the reason I bring this up is because if we go up and down the coastline between Washington, Oregon, and, and down into California, I'm hoping that we get to see a lighthouse. Has anybody here ever been in a lighthouse or seen a lighthouse in person? Okay, so a few of you have. I've only seen it on TV, like Pete's Dragon, right? That's a main part of the movie where there's a lighthouse, and he saves the day at the end. He blows fire into it, so there's light for, guess what? A ship coming in the night during the storm, so he knows where he's going to run into. Uh, and so, but that's about the closest I've come to uh, with seeing a lighthouse. And today we're going to be talking about being a living lighthouse. But it's, it's a kind of a part of being a genuine versus a scam Christian, which is what we looked at last week. You know, there's, there's two different kinds of people who claim to be Christians. But they start out with the same part where they say, I have put my faith in Jesus. But there's a big difference between the genuine and the scam Christian. This, this genuine Christian says, hey. I put my trust in Jesus and I'm living like it. I'm not perfect and when I screw up, I feel bad. Uh, and, I, and I try to change the actions in my life. And we looked at that last week with Ephesians chapter 5 where it talks about how there shouldn't be any of this wicked stuff and it says in verse 5, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, greedy person, such that kind of person has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. We looked and said, you know what? That kind of fits everybody. We've all screwed up and so what's the difference is the one person says I put my faith in Jesus I'm trying to live for Jesus and when I screw up I feel bad because the Holy Spirit's living inside of me trying to help me do the right thing. The scam Christian says I put my trust in Jesus but really doesn't care about the way he or she lives their life. When they when they say something they're not supposed to when they think it, when they do it, it doesn't bother them because the Holy Spirit is not inside of them screaming at them telling them that they are not living a right life because they are not truly saved. And ultimately, we want to be the genuine Christian because we can scam each other, right? We can fool each other, but ultimately we can't fool God, and that's what really matters. So let me pray, and then we'll get back to being a living lighthouse. Father God, I do thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for what you teach me every week. You know, it's more than I could ever hope to share. And I, this is a, a good reminder to make sure that we are living our, our lives like a lighthouse. People are looking at us to see what does a true Christian look like. And we are the testimony of, of who you are and what you've done in our lives. And so I pray that we could do that. I just pray that you would speak through me to speak calm, to speak clearly, and to speak accurately so that we live this, leave this place today a uh, better understanding of, of living out the life, uh, the light that you want us to. Just please help me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about today about being a living lighthouse. Uh, so lighthouses, 
Uh, I had no idea how many different lighthouses there were around the world. It says that there's approximately 17,800 lighthouses in over 250 countries, and they're made of everything. You know, they're made of bricks, they're made of stone, concrete, they're even made out of aluminum. Pretty much whatever it is that they can make a lighthouse out of, that's what they did. Back in the olden days, the lighthouse consisted of a bonfire. You know, the ship's coming in, we're going to light this bonfire because we want them to see the shore. And they come with all sorts of different styles. You can get stripes, you can get zigzags, you can get different colors. They're, they're round, they're like square, they're octagonal, they're, they're made out of everything. They're pretty cool. But you know, you look at all these lighthouses, and whether it's on the beach shore or, or somewhere else, you know what they all have in common? They're the same job, right? What is the job of a lighthouse? To give off light, right? And so you kind of look and say, okay, a lighthouse job is to give off light. It doesn't matter the shape, the size, or the color, because they can range from 33 feet up to 208 feet tall. Um, it doesn't matter the size, shape, whatever. The ultimate truth is they need to shine a light. And so you look around and you say, you know what? We are a diverse group of people, different ages, different um, different capabilities. We are different. You know, some of you are German. I'm some some kind of Scottish and American and but we all have the same job and that is to be a living lighthouse and so that's what we're going to be talking about today and it's not just for the pastor to be the lighthouse it's not just for Bud Fuchs being a lighthouse in um, Utah this is everybody from the moment you get saved a light goes off and you at that point are supposed to be a living lighthouse but prior to that what were you you are darkness. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8a says, For you were once darkness. Pretty easy to see that. You know, there's a difference between dark and dark places. You know, when uh, I, I'm one of those guys who, when it's bedtime, I want it to be pitch black. I want it as dark as I can possibly be. Caleb, on the other hand, he likes it a little bit different. We put up these LED lights all around his room. Really cool. Um, last night I went down, I went, I woke up, 2 o'clock in the morning. I walked down the hall because it's so bright. You know, I'm like, I'm turning this thing off. But it's, it's okay. You have a dark and you have, as soon as you want light, you just flip a light switch or an LED light. But this, Paul isn't saying you're in a dark place. He's saying you were darkness. Everything about you was wrong. Everything about you was sinful. It was bad. Uh, he said, And he says this a couple of different times in the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles, if you're one of those people who like to follow along, I'm going to re, re, go over a few verses that where Paul's kind of pointing out, this is what you were. Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 1 through 3. He says, As for, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions, transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is in those who, who is at work in those who are disobedient. All of us were darkness, right? All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. These people are getting the clue through this message that they were living this way. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. It says, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continuous lust for more. That's darkness. Last week, we talked about, which I've already mentioned today, we talked about the scam Christians. Those people who say, hey, I put my faith in Jesus. I said a prayer. But then there's nothing different about their life. 
wives, and it, it, they may fool each other, but it doesn't fool God. And, and like we said, uh, it talks about those who are uh, who have. It says, verse three it says, "Among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking." And it says, "You can be sure of this: that no impure, greedy person is going to be getting to heaven." Basically, and it says, "This is what." What you were elsewhere. Romans 3.23 says all have sinned. We have all done something against God's perfect law that fits us all into the same category. And then he says, uh, this is what you were. You know, you know what the idea of were was? It was I was on the outside. Now I'm inside. You were out. You are in. And Paul says, you are the light of the, in the Lord. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 says, you were once in darkness, but now you are in the Lord. Live as children of the light. Now, I'm not a grammar person, so if I don't get this quite right, I forgive me. I think this is right. In my, my mental brain, it is right. You have two words. You have were and you have are. What is were? It is a past tense word, right? You were outside. You are inside. And Paul says you should be different now because you are in the light. You are the light. And the light should be more like this. It should be like a light switch. You know, when, when I walked into the building this morning, I flip on a light switch and it's boom, it's on. As bright as it can possibly be, it is right now. But you know, somebody created a very romantic idea. They have the dimmer switch. Right? It's, you set the mood just right, you get the music, you got the flowers, you have the dinner, and it just sets the perfect mood. And a lot of times Christians turn that dial down, or they, they, they slowly get into the light. And it is a process. I mean, you're not going to be as bright as the sun right now, but our goal should be that light switch brightness, not the slow dial that goes up and down to fit the mood of the world that I'm in. It should be like right now, as a lighthouse, when that day, when that ship is coming in, when Pete's friends, you know, Pete's dragon and he's bringing that boat in, they need that lighthouse as bright as it can be right now. And that's what we need is a, as bright a light as we can have right now. Not not taking your time to get there, but to be bright right now. Did you know that this is optional? Optional means it's your choice if you're going to do this um, because you're the one who has to decide if I'm going to let my light shine. I'm going to be a bright shining light. God, you're not a robot. God doesn't come down and say, I'm going to grab Anita and I'm going to flip that light switch on and make Anita act. Anita has to make that choice. So it is optional in that sense if that light switch is going to be flipped. But really, it's not optional. You know, this isn't a suggestion like, hey, this is be a good idea if you let your light shine. This is a command. It's an imperative to let your light shine. Flip that light on. Crank it up. Get as, as bright as the sun. Blind people. You know like when you're driving down the road and you get those those people. I don't even know where you get lights like that but it's it's bright. You're like you can't tell that they ever put their dimmer light on because it's always that bright. We should have that kind of bright light that people can't avoid. They can't help but know that we are a bright shining light. It's a command. 
1 John chapter 2, verse 4 says, the man says, I know him. I know Jesus. I have a relationship with Jesus, but I don't do what he says is a big fat liar. The truth is not in him. And he's only fooling himself. He is not fooling God. And so I'm supposed to let my light shine. What does that look like? What does it mean to let my light shine? Well, first thing it means is chapter 5, verse 9. It says, uh, the end of verse 8 says, Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. We, if we are living as children of the light, we should be bearing fruit. Uh, some, some say, uh, some translations say the fruit of the Spirit. If you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to naturally be bearing a certain kind of fruit. Jesus says, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So you can say, I'm going to try really hard to be a good person. And, and show love and show patience and kindness, but apart from Jesus, it is not possible. And so we have uh, the fruit of the Spirit, and these are things that could, I think, logically fit into this as fruit that should be demonstrated in our life as bearing fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He, he picks out or and mentions three different ones. He says goodness. This is benevolence. This is love in action. I see a need. I want to help people out. I'm going. I'm not just talking about I love people. I'm showing it by my actions. That's bearing fruit. Righteousness is doing what is right in God's eyes and doing what is best for man. And so it's, it's doing the right thing before God and before people. That should be a, a fruit of our life is we are living a righteous life. Truth. This isn't just having the head knowledge of all the things that I should be doing or I should, how I should be living my life. It's actually getting out there and doing it. There's enough examples of people who have, uh, who have been in the limelight, the Christian limelight, and you, you see them fall. And I know we're all susceptible to that because we're all human. There's enough examples of failure where we need to be the people who are living the truth. We know it and we put it into to action. So the first thing that Paul's pointing out is that if we're going to be living in the light, we are going to be bearing fruit. The second thing he says is to find out what pleases the Lord. Verse 10. And it says, find out what pleases the Lord. Figure out what is it that God wants me to do, and I'm going to do it. How do we do that? Well, last week we talked about three. This is a three-step process we're, we're working on with the youth group. Uh, we only got through the observation practice, but it's you're, you're looking. We talked about this last week. You're, you have intake of information. You are sitting there, and if you're paying attention, if you're awake, you are hearing something. If you are following along with your Bible, you are reading something. You are getting an intake of information to see what is it that God says, what is it that I am supposed to do. And then you study. You say, what does this mean? And, and, and the Bible study methods, it's interpretation, but you're trying to see what does Scripture mean? And then you, and you can, even in there, figure out how do I apply it, which is the third step. But the third step is actually doing it. It doesn't help us just to know it if we don't do it. So we're, we're trying to figure out, find out what pleases the Lord. In the King James, it says, proving what is acceptable. 
right? And the, the idea there is, as we're taking these three steps, and we're observing, we're studying it, we're putting it into practice, and we are showing by living our life, by letting our light shine, what it is that God said, what God says a Christian should look like. Just by living our life, we are proving what God's will is, what he wants us to do to the outside world. Because that's what we're doing with our light. Yes, we're showing off our light in this church. You know, as to some extent, we're like, I'm revealing to you that I'm a Christian by my action, and you're revealing it to somebody else. But this is taking that light to the outside world, and we're showing them what the outside world looks like. So we're proving to them. The third thing, it says that in verse 11 and 12, says we are exposing evil deeds. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is disobedient to do in secret. To expose means to convince, to reprove. Now, some people might take this verse and say, I'm going to stick my finger in everybody's face and tell them everything that they're doing wrong. Right? Because that's what I'm doing. I'm, or I'm going to broadcast this. That's what they do with, when you expose some false teacher. I mean, you just let everybody know. You put it in the newspaper. You put it all over YouTube. But that's not what Paul's pointing out. He's not saying, uh, you know, go and find people who are doing something wrong and tell everybody. Right? Because he even talks about uh, verse 12. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Uh, I heard something this morning about a law making something super yucky and wicked acceptable in Spain. I don't even want to mention what it is. It's so, ugh. You know, but that's where, the, the, once, kind of like the world is, it's just glorifying that sinful stuff. And the more we talk about it, the more it's like, really, it's not that bad, or it gets, becomes acceptable. This would never become acceptable, I don't think. But in Spain, apparently it is. But he says, don't even talk about that stuff. So we're not broadcasting everybody's wrongs all around the world. Paul's talking about the way you live your life is going to show people that what they're doing is wrong. You know, you think about, you go into a dark room, your, your goal typically is to just you get your flashlight and you just shine it. You're just looking to see what's there. You're not trying to point out what's wrong. And you know what you might see? You might see a mouse running around. <laughs> You might see your kid's messy room. He told you there was there was a messy room, and um, I, he said it was clean. You flip on that light switch, and you can tell this room is messy. I mean, who knows what you're going to see? But you're all you're doing is just showing what's there. Uh, I was a commentary had this kind of an interesting way of explaining this. Uh, when we went to go see Jerry in the hospital, Jerry's laying there in bed. He's got tubes in him. He's, he apparently has this thing in his back. He does not look like he's in a comfortable situation. Well, when I walk in, do you know what I did? I said, Jerry, I said, look at me. Look at me. I'm healthy. I'm walking around. My feet are not swollen. I said, there's no tubes coming out of me. No, I did not say a word. Just by just my body being a healthy looking body going to visit Jerry showed him what was what he doesn't have. Right? I'm not any better than Jerry, but it's showing him physically we are not on the same page. He's in the hospital bed, and I'm walking in and out. I went out to dinner that night. He was still trying to drink apple juice. And it's just showing somebody how unhealthy they are based off of how healthy I am. And so when you're living your Christian life, you are exposing 
Uh, the rest of the definition says uh, you're, you're con convincing, you are reproving by living with the light of Christ shining through you. By you living your righteous life, you are showing the unsaved world what, what really is right and what's wrong. And the, the world already knows half the time what they shouldn't be doing. But you just live your righteous life and they, they are going to see. And that's how you're exposing it by your righteous deeds. And that means you're not even saying a word. How, how good. You know what? Josh is always saying, you have to get out there, talk, share your faith. Right? You got to do something. Well, this, all you're doing is just living a righteous life. That means you're saying no to sin. You're saying yes to what Jesus wants you to do. Just by living a righteous life, the outside world is going to see a difference. They can't help by, but see a difference. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16 says, You all are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. Flip the light switch on that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Like it or not, you are the light. You are the example everybody else is going to look at. Um, I'm sure if you're a Christian, and at, at some point, somebody around you knows. Somebody at your work, somebody at the school says, you know what, so-and-so is a Christian, and they're going to look at you. If you're doing it, it must be okay. If you're not doing it, it must not be okay. And you are, people are going to be looking at you whether you like it or not. And your light should be obvious everywhere you go. You go to school, your light should be obvious. When I go to the store, my light should be obvious. Uh, when I when I when you go to the the office, the workplace, that the, out in the oil field, your light should be obvious. It shouldn't be turned off at work and on at home, on at church, off at school. It should be on bright everywhere you go. As a living lighthouse. Now, uh, I think last week in Sunday school, Darren uh, brought up Charles Swindoll. Is that who it is, Charles Swindoll, the, the uh, devotional in the morning? Okay, so I, I told Darren, I said, this is the best part of the message. Because this is from Charles Swindoll. Okay, so during the week, there was this light of the world kind of example, uh, devotional that he was reading or sharing. And he says, this is, what is what's up with light. He says, light is silent. There's no big noise, no big splashes, no banners. It just simply shines. It doesn't make any kind of noise. Um, it's like a single lighthouse along a dark, rugged shoreline. All it does is shine. It gives direction. Uh, it's, Jesus says that others are to see, that they may see your good deeds, not necessarily hear your good deeds. You just live that bright, shining light. And in some ways, this just makes it super easy because I'm not saying anything. I'm just living that righteous life that God's asked me to do. Light attracts attention. You don't have to ask people to look at you when you turn on the light in a dark room. It happens automatically. Right? If it's a dark and you're in a dark cave, uh, or in a dark room and it's been dark for a while, you flip on that light, everybody's looking at that source of that light. Your life is going to shine like that light if you are willing to be the living lighthouse. So that might mean, and I, all I can do is think about you kids, 
at school. I mean, because I, I walk into the halls of the school. I don't walk into Jason's workplace or I don't go where Shad goes. I don't, so I really don't know what it's like where it's your, your workplace is. But I think about the kids at school and I, I remember being a kid and I know what it's like uh, to be, if you're a living lighthouse and all of a sudden you start walking away from a conversation, that's going to be a bright light. Um, in chapter five, verse four, it says, you know, when, when obscenity starts talking kids at school, you start hearing that foul language. Uh, there's coarse joking, which are out of place. Uh, and there, there's there are improper words, things like that that are going on. If you just walk away from that, guess what you're going to be? You're going to be a bright light because they're going to say, whoa, there goes Tristan. Whoa, there goes Blaine. There goes Noah. There goes whoever if you just walk away from that conversation. Very simple. You're not telling these people what they're doing wrong. You just walk away. You have the opportunity to engage in some kind of inappropriate action activities. You might be, hey, let's go tease somebody. Let's get on YouTube and let's look at these Shorts that YouTube shorts, or there's other things that you can find obviously online. Uh, we're gonna make things difficult for the teacher, and you say, I'm not gonna be a part of that. You walk away, you refuse to be a part of that. Guess what? You are a bright, shining light, and you didn't say anything. All you did was leave the situation. So, really, it's not that hard. It's not that big, it's not that com complex to understand what does it mean to be a bright, shining light. But you have to understand if you're gonna be a bright, shining light light, the world is not going to like you. And this is where people say, no thanks. I want Jesus. I want heaven. I want all that good stuff. But I'm living down here on earth and I don't want to go through the tough stuff. I don't want the persecution. I don't want the rejection. And so while I'm at church, I'll flip this light on as bright as I can. But when I go to school, when I go to work, when I go around people who don't know Jesus, I'm going to flip this thing off. No, it's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be bright everywhere you go. Be a living lighthouse. John 3, 19 and 20 says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. If you're living that perfect life, people are not going to like you. They're not going to want to be around you because they want to They want to be around other people that it's okay to say this. It's okay to act like this. All of a sudden I get around somebody and it's not okay. I feel this, walk, this walking conviction. Anybody want to be a walking conviction? No, we don't want that. We want people to say, oh, good, Josh is coming. Oh, good, I feel comfortable here. But if you're going to be that bright light, you are going to be a walking conviction. You are, people are going to choose to stay away from you even more. 2 Timothy 3.12, if you're going to live a godly life, you're going to be persecuted. It is not going to be easy, but it's worth it. So you were darkness. You are light. What's the difference? How did I go from there to there? From the dark side to the light side? When Ephesians 5.8 says, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. It, was, it wasn't because I tried harder to do good things. It wasn't because I turned over a new leaf. It's because I put my faith in Jesus, a genuine faith and trust for salvation, that I went from the dark side to the light side. 
And how is all this possible? It's going from the dark side to the light side. Well, if you look in your Bible at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, this is where it all started for us, for me, to, be, to go from the dark side to the light side. This is talking about Jesus. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That wasn't based off of me. That was God looking and saying, I want Josh to be part of my family. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Jesus chose you to be part of his family. Now, I know there's, it's, this is a difficult thing to understand, but, you know, some people want to say, well, you know what Jesus did? He looked down through all eternity. He said, oh, Melissa, she's going to put her faith in Jesus, and so I'm going to pick Melissa to be part of my family. That's not what happened. He didn't look. I mean, here it'll be great. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch. Let's, let's, let's make a bet on who's gonna win the Super Bowl. Okay, I'll pick the Chiefs. You pick the Eagles, right? How much of a, how much choosing is that? I mean, like, I already know who's gonna win. No, Jesus picked you, and I know that gets confusing. Like, well, he picked me and not other people. But just recognize, if you put your faith in Jesus, He said, "I want you to be part of my family." So before the creation of the world, He picked. Jesus you to be part of his family. He picked you to go from darkness to light. So there's a lot right there just to praise God for. But there's more to it. Uh, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know, I, I didn't live a perfect life, and I'm sorry, no, no, none of you have here either. But because we sinned, we cannot go to heaven. God picked us. We can't go to heaven because we sinned. So Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment for our sins so that we could have eternal life. He picked me. He provided the way for my salvation. And then it's up, it's up to me to do my part to say, turn to Jesus and say, yes, I, I recognize that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me and give me eternal life. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14 says, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is kind of the point where you have a decision to make. Wake up, you're sleeping. You're that's in church. We should probably say this every Sunday. Wake up, wake up. He's talking about people who are dead in their sin. Wake up and, and come to faith in Christ Jesus. Now, if you look at this quote, it's not in the Bible. I mean, it's here, it's obviously in Galatians or Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14, but you're not going to find it anywhere else. Uh, apparently this was words from a hymn that the early church used to sing but it's still true you know wake up oh sleeper rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you there's still something to take advantage of go from what you were to what you can be go from that darkness to the light but the choice is yours it's not mine. If I could choose that everybody in here would have salvation, I would. But I would do it for everybody out there, too. But I can't make that choice. You know, I, if I could choose, you know, it's one of the tough things about having kids. Because, you know, they're growing up and they're their own person. You know, I really, really want Noah to go to school for business. I really, really want Caleb to go to Bible school. I really want these things. But guess what? I don't get to make that choice. Same with your faith. I can't pick and choose what you're going to do or my kids are going to do. The same was with their salvation. So the choice is yours. Do you want to stay in the darkness and go to hell? Or do you want to go to the light and go to heaven? It's your choice that you have to make. 
If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you are on the dark side. It is it's not going to end out well for you. You might enjoy the seasons of sin for a while, but that's it. God doesn't want that. That's why He died on the cross, so that we could have salvation. And if you're willing to turn to Him for salvation, you can have salvation. If you hear, you say, hey, I am on the light side. And I will tell you, I am on the light side. I have put my trust in Jesus. I had to admit that I am a sinner and I needed Jesus' help to get to heaven. I want to encourage you to make sure that you shine that light brightly. Bear fruit. Prove what is acceptable to God. Expose the darkness by your righteous light. Take your candle and go light your word, uh, your world. In the words of Chris Rice, you have a candle; it's 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 just naturally there. You don't, you may not even have to say anything. It's just as easy as living out that life, and so you don't have to worry about am I going to say it the right way. You just go out there and you live that righteous life and be the example to the unsaved world. Hopefully, through that, you'll have the opportunity to have the conversation with them to say why you're different, to say they need Jesus as their savior. But the first step is the easiest is that's just getting out there and letting your light shine by your life so i just want to encourage you to take your candle and go light your world let's pray dear god i thank you for first of all for my salvation that you chose me before the creation of the world to be a child of yours i thank you god that you provided the way so that i could have salvation so that i could have eternal life because there's no way i was going to do that on my own and God, I just pray for the ability to be a bright light, that I would, I could be like a spotlight in the dark, not just like a little flicker of a candle, uh, but help me to live my life as righteously and honoring to you as I can. Not because I'm earning salvation, but just because of in response of the grace that you've given to me. If anybody in here has no light at all in their candle, please convict them of that. Help them to turn to you for salvation so that they can have a light. And God, whatever stage your lights are at, I pray that you would help us to make them brighter today and to continue to light them. And let us let the outside world know or recognize the difference in us as opposed to what everybody else is doing and saying, God, because uh, you are the light of the world. And you, you came to be the light and, and just help us to be letting your light shine through us. Uh, just, I just pray for your help to do this. In Jesus' name, amen.